Hi all, and welcome to the first episode of Movie Magpies. Today we'll be reviewing Annihilation. Let's just get into it. Alrighty, I'm excited. Um, we've been known to go off on tangents about this movie in the past, so yeah. we've written a couple notes to try and keep ourselves on track, I suppose. Um, I'm Monique, and my friend is Will. Will knows everything about movies, and I know nothing, so this will be very fun. Yeah, it will. Just as like a bit of background, I, I have a bachelor's degree in film with a major unit in um, cinematography, so I'm a nationally recognised cinematographer in Australia. Just he so that is <laughs> a very smart man. <laughs> just for a little bit of background, I also have a bachelor's degree in scientific research, which is unrelated but may become more related further down the line. And I'm here to represent your average Joe. Um, I have no degrees. I did a media course for like two years in college, and that's about the extent of my knowledge. I just really like talking about movies and dissecting them, so. Yeah, but if anything, you're going to be far more grounded in this kind of series <laughs> you're of You're going to be movies. like, the Dutch angle was perfectly centered at 45 degrees, and I'm going to be like, the lighting was cool. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But, yeah. Anyway, should so... Should we get into the <laughs> actual film? Yeah, we should. So we're talking about Annihilation. Um, 2018 uh, film, which is sort of... I would call it cosmic horror, but it's described as science fiction horror. Yeah, well, it... Yeah, that, that all fits into the same wheelhouse. It's science fiction, it's horror. Cosmic horror is science fiction, in a sense, because until we find out if any of it's real, you know, it's fiction psychoschematic sure (laughs) (laughs) um a bit of a summary of things before we get into like spoiler territory we will try our best to tell you when we're getting to spoilers um but as sort of an overview summary um i've noticed like re-watching the movie to do my notes that oscar always looks sad as in the actor (laughs) always looks super upset like yeah just all the time. he's he's given very little to kind of go with it's like in this situation you are sad go and and yeah. a lot of that is how it's just run um but he's he's in a lot of like quite dire or dramatic situations throughout yeah, the film i suppose that's fair i just like i was re-watching and i was like he always looks like someone kicked his puppy or like and mm. it's super interesting because a lot of the other main characters get to show a range of emotions and then he's just like mm, i am either sad or like unhinged yeah yeah i was gonna say before we started talking about characters and stuff like that we just do like a, just a quick plot synopsis if you haven't watched the film then it'll give you a bit of a better insight into what we've been just talking about Look at Will being so smart. <laughs> Basically, I suppose a summary of the movie without like reading the plot would be there is a woman who is ex-army um, biology professor and her husband goes missing, turns up after a year of being missing uh, with an unexplained illness um, and they're taken to this secret facility where they found out that the reason that he's sick is because they went into this weird... Um, phenomenon that they've named the shimmer and she goes on a bit of a journey to figure out why he's sick and how she can fix it yeah and throughout the movie they encounter great difficulty and strife in which it follows the pathway of 
most uh, Lovecraftian or cosmic horrors in which, uh, or goth even gothic horrors where the narrator becomes more unreliable, uh, characters rarely make it out happy, uh, or, or even like at least alive. Some will survive, some don't, but it's always, it's the kind of story that doesn't necessarily have a happy ending or even a conclusive ending. Yeah, I would say less happy or sad ending and more just very open-ended, ambiguous, confusing type of Yeah, vibes. I really like those kinds of stories, so. Yeah. For me, when I first watched this movie, I, I really, really liked it, and I still really like it. But um, yeah, it's it's one yeah. of those things where it's a it's a kind of story arc that really works well on its own. It is a really good story arc, although because of of course cosmic and horror elements in it, um, cosmic horror elements, I should say, we should give a bit of a warning for like gore and a lot of discussions on self destruction and like self destructive tendencies mm. uh, throughout our chat here. We we should get into the our summaries. What did we actually like? Look, I really really love the like visual cinematography. Cin cin cinematic thank you shots yeah. in this like there are so many really really lovely parts of this movie which you could screenshot and make like a very interesting print on your wall or like you know a background yeah. on your phone um they use visual shorthands pretty frequently and i reckon that a lot of them are actually quite successful you know there's a lot of really really fun colors and the overall sort of theme of the movie, um, while it's hammered home pretty pretty heavily, it's still really interesting to think about and it doesn't get like annoying. Absolutely. I feel like the, the story, it remains consistent throughout the film and it never it never like changes things or tries to divert away too much from what it's presenting, which is really, really nice. Mm-hmm. I was going to say one thing for me definitely that like stood out upon rewatching it was the music composition. I was really taken aback by how much it it um guides the atmosphere of the film throughout yeah, it. Yeah, the music is really well done. I think I've only got like one note where I noticed the music shift in yeah. a specific scene and that speaks to itself and how well the music was done to the fact that like it really, really complements the vibe, but unless I was looking for it, I couldn't, like, pick it. Mm. It's super subtle. It's really simple in most parts of the film. It's super quiet or just just generally subtle. If it wasn't there, it would feel like something is missing, but because it's yeah. there, it just helps build tension or um, vibe really, really, really easily. Yeah, and, like, of course, you know... The, the film in itself is so visually um, vibrant and, and packed full of such good visual like composition and stimulus that it still definitely needed that music and that the soundscape to make it all that more mm, rewatchable and enjoyable. Yeah, atmospheric, absolutely, but like just all the more enjoyable to watch on rewatch and multiple rewatches. It's more enjoyable to see purely because of the soundscape and because of the visual stimulus and the visual like composition yeah i will note another thing that you thought was really cool is um you've put down like the performances of all the actors like yeah i agree with you there there wasn't any feelings of like 
campiness or awkwardness or like stilted dialogue it all kind of flowed pretty well yeah um, i think every single character was really well acted and and all the actors brought a great deal of intricacy to their to their individual characters yeah there was sure. a lot of um like life behind the characters it yeah. didn't just feel like they were in there because they have to be there for the plot like it actually felt like they were people yeah there was there was solid depth to each character Though I, well, actually, when we start talking about stuff that we maybe didn't like, I'll bring this up more. But I do also feel like because the characters are so in depth and so uh, just deep in their own characterization, we actually get very little uh, character development and growth within the film, which mm-hmm. I I found to be a, a shortcoming yeah, of the film. Yeah, I look if we're switching over into things that we didn't like as well. I would say that the timeline was a little annoying. Like it's interesting the way that they use the timeline, mm. but it overall like just because there are different rules for how the timeline works because it's a cosmic horror doesn't mean that you can disregard rules entirely. Yeah, sure. And for for me, my my original criticism of their character depth more came from the fact that we we almost don't get enough time for the characters to exhibit traits and to to grow or develop in their own time we're mm-hmm. kind of given we're given pretty much like character sheets of who they are and then sent to move on and like for for the most part that's fine these characters are on a mission they're not going to you know they're not going to go through the various like uh, character arc situations, or uh, they're not going to you know experience new situations beyond the new situation of the Shimmer and everything within the Shimmer. But there's no it's it's not a variety of character developing moments. You know it, this is just almost in a weird way just a single quest or a single slice of this world that we get to see. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, I, I, I have no words for this film. Like, I actually <laughs> genuinely really enjoy it, but also have, like, a lot of nitpicks about it, so. Yeah, I, I love the film, but then there's always, like, if I, if I were to criticize it, I'd have plenty to criticize, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's probably a really good way to look at it, is, like, I would recommend this film to anyone, but if they were mm. like, hey, what was up that? I would be like, oh my god, I know do you see this and this and this they were super weird like little bits of nitpicky like it's it's easy to love and easy to hate i suppose yeah and i like looking through reviews before we actually started recording this um it this film has is very mixed in terms of reviews a lot of people like it a lot of people really don't like it one thing Mm -hmm. i did find surprising though is that uh in the in its opening like week it actually it failed to make its money back which is usually oh, a bad sign. Really? Yeah. So apparently, at the box office, uh, it grossed about thirty-two point seven million. Yeah. Um, oh well, no, total forty-three point one million. Yeah. Yeah, worldwide. Um, which yeah. is interesting because it like the budget was around forty to fifty-five million. Yeah. So it didn't really make its budget until back. It got, like the sort of home release. Um, surge of income i suppose would be a good way to put that yeah and like in a sense it's a it's a netflix exclusive so ultimately that kind of in a sense makes sense but also it it just in pure and simple it indicates that it just didn't do well enough at the start 
and that's usually the the closest indicator for success where sadly like a lot of people really liked Annihilation but it didn't necessarily kill it at the box office yeah it mm-hmm. didn't even make its money back so ultimately it really didn't kill it at the box office which is a shame because mm. I think more films should be made should be made like this even with its shortcomings exactly exactly yeah. exactly because arguably it's still a pretty like even though it didn't make its money back it's still a pretty damn good film yeah it's still a, like a really really good film and I genuinely really enjoyed watching it yeah. um it's super interesting and I suppose this might be like a bit of a tangent in itself but like why we believe that box office release and income is what determines success because there are so many things that I can think of like the term cult classic for instance yeah. is something that didn't do well but is still extraordinarily loved so and in terms of financial speak if you don't do well at the box office your film failed but in mm-hmm. real life you know it's it's one little determinant of you know a thousand different things do people identify with it do they identify with the characters did it affect them in some way that's the stuff that actually really matters to the audience and in that sense yeah absolutely i think it's a really good film for giving people something to you know probably not necessarily enjoy because it's quite um it's quite grim very unsettling (laughs) yeah and unsettling is definitely a good word for it but it's still something you know that you can really watch and rewatch as we've said like multiple times before it's you know the characters are great they do things because they're because of their experiences and you may not know all their experiences but it all still seems realistic in a certain to a certain extent you know i've yeah, got points on yeah, this later but exactly. like but all of them still act in certain ways you know they we follow a group of scientists into the shimmer and one thing i noticed on rewatch that was really interesting to me was that only one of them, Lena, our main character, our protagonist, she has military experience. None of the rest have military experience. And so you'll see tiny little things like like Josie, uh, played by Tessa Thompson. Sh- she'll, she'll handle her gun like it's, it's like, you know, just a, 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 well, a stick that you pick up while hiking. Yeah, yeah, it, like there's she, a, there's she a point plays in the film. with it almost. Yeah, there's a point in the film. Well, it doesn't play with it, but it almost, she it's almost like unconsciously she doesn't recognize that this is you know a machine that can kill people and so she's using it to like hold doors open and stuff like that where it's like tiny little things and then Mm. other characters will carry them you know in ways that is a little dangerous or you know probably not a good idea like like carrying them by the the nozzle or the you know whatever um but that's, that's th- that really just makes their up. characters super interesting. I really like that. It it's does these make little them super things. interesting. Um, I actually have a note on that when we're yeah. sort of more down into like spoilery territory, um, which I might just make a quick note of here, which is, um, you know, something to talk about once we've gotten into the more spoilery stuff because yeah. it is a really like interesting plot point to me that I don't want to spoil without warning. Yeah. So. If if we're since we're still in the no spoiler kind of sections. Uh, a lot of that early stuff uh, in the film doesn't spoil anything, but we're given so much through visual uh, storytelling. 
mm-hmm. you know, right mm-hmm. at the start, well, right at the start, this isn't visual storytelling, this is just straight up exposition, where she's talking, where Lena, our protagonist, is teaching at her university, and she's talking about, well, she's teaching her students about cancer cells, yeah. but it's mm-hmm. this, this lecture is actually super important for the rest of the film, because it indicates that cancer cells in their infancy and in their early generation aren't necessary they weren't designed for to be bad things they're cells that replicated too much and then they just keep replicating and there's sort of this theory about like is the fact that eventually cells stop replicating a bad thing or yeah. is it what's natural you know like there's that sort but, of discussion around it which is super interesting yeah but the thing i really like about that is that that one lecture lays the groundwork for the rest of the film because you know it's it's this film is a so much about just the mitosis and the splitting and reflection of cells mm-hmm. and then we're introduced to um her one of her colleagues on rewatching, i'm i'm certain that like most people would catch this not on rewatch because you know on a second viewing because ultimately it's pretty clear but nothing is said between the two of them other than like oh hey we're having a barbecue you want to come and she's like no i gotta paint paint the bedroom so much is said without being said yeah Yeah. like she goes our the bedroom and it's like a super interesting like leaving things unsaid show don't tell Mm. is like oh it's my favorite favorite concept Um, but, like, um, on first watch, you may not, like, sort of pick up on the whole story, but you yeah. know for sure that something's happening. Like, there's really, really uncomfortable vibes. Yeah, there's something between the scene them. With a co-worker. It, like, to me, the scene itself feels too long, if that makes sense. Yeah, like, no, it, it draws but out. It, it just makes it feel, like, it doesn't make it feel, like, it yes the scene feels too long but to me that just makes it feel more awkward like it's laying into that like oh there's tension here that something happened they don't really like each other like yeah absolutely there's there's just like like, standoffishness but we're like right at the start of the film i gotta bring it back just ever so slightly Hmm. to benedict wong's character so so like we've just been talking about visual storytelling I really hate the stuff with Benedict Wong in it because it ruins all the visual storytelling. Because I think his existence in this film is purely for um, reinforcing exposition. that exposition. And yeah. it's, it's I heartbreaking. I don't think that I refer to him... Like, I think my first note says Benedict Wong, and I'm pretty sure every other note that I have about him is just exposition man. Exposition <laughs> man, yeah, he... Well, he, like, it's even, like really interesting that he doesn't do the exposition it's just like every so often throughout the film it just like cut back to benedict wong in a full body condom asking a question that we we've already asked and has already been answered and like it's 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 not benedict wong's fault you know but these really really interesting way to use such like a well-known actor um, yeah, I feel like he's a well-known actor. Well, yeah, um, and he's got a beautiful voice, so you almost don't feel mm-hmm. like it's too big of a burden to hear him talk. Like, on the first watch, whenever I heard his voice, I didn't feel, like, pulled out of the experience until, no. like, visually he was on screen because it was such, like, a jarring snap between mm. the two vibes of the movie. So, oh, like, absolutely. using his voice was, like, a really good, like, idea 
yeah. it would have, to me personally, been better as a voiceover instead of them like keeping like flicking back and forth. I don't think it needed to be in there at all. Well, but here's yeah, the but thing: they really wanted to do it. <laughs> here's the thing: I understand why it's there, because again, visual sto- storytelling—it's not something everyone picks up on. And I'm not saying that people are stupid or anything like that. It's just that some people don't pick up on visual storytelling, no. and that's fine. And I think. Another reason that it's there is just to reinforce that unreliable narrator trope in where seeing things happen versus hearing yeah. what um, the main character says about it. What's her name? Lena. Lena. Okay. She's played by Natalie Portman. I know. Um, I, just, I wanted to call her Anya. Yeah, which but is a different like my my issue. Yeah, Anya's a different character. My issue with that is just that. As I, as I said, Benedict Wong's character, who I don't even know if we find out his name, but Mm-mm. he he never explains anything. He just asks the question for Lena to explain it. So the unreliable narrator thing, only like we've seen it through her perspective, and then we hear it again through her mouth. Yeah. And and so it's it's this thing where I get that it it needs to the film needs to ensure that people understand what's going on. Like, it would have been much more... If you really wanted to use it, if you really wanted to push home that unreliable narrator, it would have been better for her to say something or be in the scene, and then Benedict asks a question, and she says something that the audience can immediately pick is not quite right. E.g., he's like, oh, um, did you know how many days you were in there? And if she went, oh, it felt like about X amount of days. Whereas... (laughs) Seven days, and then... And then yeah. we cut to We're in, in the shiver, and no she's like, we've been in here for four days, you know, then yeah, sure. But it doesn't, We don't even yeah. know when we last slept. <laughs> it's one, it's like, one of those things where it's kind of just a little bit of a shame that it doesn't do that more. Mm-hmm. Where, like, because the visual storytelling is just so good. Like, There's genuinely. Like Another thing that I want to say is just the shimmer is, like, visually, the shimmer yeah. is so well done. Like, oh, absolutely. the storytelling of it, it's so vibrant and colourful and different. Yeah. It genuinely feels like you've stepped into a different world. Yeah. And they did that really, really well, while also keeping, like, the, you know, uh, more recognisable things. Like, oh, yeah. a old house or... Um, fence that's been broken down you know absolutely so um we'll move forward to that point because we're currently just in like the first four minutes of (laughs) of the film so when we get to the shimmer so like moving forward uh lena's husband who had been missing for a year just magically well not magically uh returns seemingly for no reason it's like a year later and he we don't even yeah. see him like enter the house. We just see him like in the doorway of the bedroom as she's painting it, and yeah. we're like, "Oh, hello!" <laughs> yeah, and then because like I'm just using this as a bridge to get to the shimmer, but she asks him mm-hmm. a bunch of questions. He doesn't know a lot of the answers. He seems almost like out of it. Then he mm-hmm. starts having a like a super seizure where he's just coughing up blood. He's like, you know, he's shaking. He's he's having an aneurysm. You know, the glass. Like the, because they do this really, really nice shot here just before he goes into his like medical seizure, which is he has like a glass of water and they focus on the glass. It's a very pristine, like sleek glass of water. He picks it up and drinks from it. And as they put the glass back down, they pan to a shot that looks more on him instead of the glass. But if you're looking at the glass, you'll notice there's blood in the glass. Yes. 
and it's like the it's, first. It's so well done. Yeah, it's the first indicator that something's wrong with him, and then, you know, they take him off in an ambulance, and then the ambulance is is um, intercepted by black SUVs. You know, the classic secret, you know, government kind of agency vehicle. Mm -hmm. And then they're transported to a security, like, well, to a research center somewhere. We don't know where. I actually do know where, but that's for a segment a little further on that I'll talk about. We we cheated. (laughs) I did cheat. I know where it is, but that's not not the point. Um, But basically, even in that moment, like, the way that the ambulance is done, um, I think you yeah. noted this, was there's no sound. Yeah, so we're, we're left to, um, as as my old uh, film lecturer would state, would say, wallow in the, uh, in the atmosphere of, like, drama. Or, not drama, of um, discomfort. So we get the scene where he's, you know, where he puts the glass down and there's blood in it. And then they notice something's going wrong and there's no sound in that scene. So it actually crosses into the next scene where we see the ambulance move, but there's no sound in that scene. And yeah. it, it prolongs the agony of not knowing what's going on, what's happening to him, you know, all that stuff. And it's it's incredible because it's like, that's what you can do without sound. You know, you remove oh. sound from something and it's incredible. It's it's really really amazingly well done like i cannot (laughs) praise this movie enough for their use of sound Mm. um well here's the thing you gotta you gotta make sound good you can uh, have you can have a really ugly looking film with great sound and people will still mm -hmm. enjoy it it's the kind of thing about like people say the same thing about typography is good typography you won't notice but this also isn't discrediting sound oh no yeah but it's like you always, you won't notice good sound, but you'll always notice when the sound is off. Yes. Five, yeah. Which, it's not off. It's it's very much on. Like, it's good sound. Yeah. So then moving forward, they in the research, when they, they're transported to a research facility by the... Lena, men, yeah. the character, pretty much accepts this as, like, <laughs> the new normal. Yeah, well, really actually, I've timestamped that. So 14 minutes in, which is actually still quite early in a film, um, they're, they're met... She's met by a woman named Ventress. Well, like, last name Ventress. Everyone's referred to by their last name or first name quite a lot. Um, mm-hmm. She's the mum from Atypical, if you've seen Atypical. Yeah, Jennifer uh, Jason Lee. Yes, her. She's great. Um, she's got a really excellent presence in this film but basically there's that one line which i found really like stupid mm. where lena was just like i'm gonna need to see a lawyer and ventress is like you're not gonna get to see a lawyer and then lena's just like all right cool you know Here is she doesn't question. say it yeah she just moves on they just move on yeah. and they're just like cool and there are like little points throughout the film where it's like we need to progress the story so just shut up and keep going Mm. Yeah, you do get you do get a bit of like the movie magic stuff there. Yeah. Um, but it also kind of leans to me like when I first heard that I was like, oh, is that because she's like had like yeah, it's the background like... of her uh, husband always going off on these like need to know, can't tell you where I'll be like missions. So she's just like, oh, okay, classified. Yeah, and this occasion of it is like fully understandable, and it makes sense within the given world. Yeah, but it is still she... noticeable frantically also like all right no lawyer where the fuck is my husband yeah but then this leads us up to the shimmer where we're introduced to it for the first time and just like the uh ambulance scene 
one thing I really loved about it was that you actually hear the shimmer first. Mm, mm-hmm. And the sound of the shimmer is introduced to us in that scene, and then we cut to, well, footage or visual of the shimmer. Yeah, but it's they, um, it's obscured, they... which is really int- a really interesting choice, and it it really works for it. But yeah. um, then you get to see it in full, like after getting a little bit of an understanding of the surroundings and the research facility, because it, in like an establishing shot kind of system you see the shimmer for a little bit and you're like, that's what's making the noise. It's this weird thing. You're like, oh! But that's then we also like know where we are. Subconsciously, that's the noise yes. type of vibe. Yeah. Um, but then, like, what they really do well with the shimmer is something that they visual shorthand. I really love the visual shorthand in this <laughs> movie. Um, yeah. The growth of the shimmer is, like, just a screen. And, like, one screen yeah. is, like, has it a certain size, and then the next screen is like X amount of days or months later. I wasn't paying attention to the actual dates, and it's exponentially bigger. And I'm like, ooh, it's growing! Like, yeah, that's exciting. And it's like As the a- only way we could physically see this um, ultimately monolithic bubble of evil or not good um, expand <laughs> is through is through a way that we can see it from. A larger scale and that's really well done I really like that mm-hmm. it's it's so well done I also really like that they went like a different direction like a lot of movies even like cosmic horror movies do this it really annoys me they yeah. make everything that's bad really dark and like hard to see yeah it's it's easier though in a sense yeah and whereas this one they've but, made yeah. the shimmer vibrant colorful very easily like visually shorthanded the growth of it like they've done a lot of things to make it much clearer while still keeping the like yeah mystique about it which was really well done absolutely and it also has this incorporeal kind of essence to it where it's it's just a thing that's just expanding you can't like it, you can't stab seeing, it yeah so, and or you can't shoot it, it also makes yeah. me feel like i kind of want to know like, what would happen if you stick your hand in it? Like, it's got that yeah. very, like, this is something that is just, like, a barrier. But mm. also, what would happen if I just touched the barrier a little? Like, is yeah. it corporeal? Is it physical? It kind of looks a bit like bubbles. It kind of looks a bit like it has, a, like, a gooey consistency to it. I really enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, it's got this presence that's just a little bit curious. It, it has this looming threat kind of vibe to it as well, more so than the, the curiosity for sure, but then it creates this morbid kind of curiosity where yeah, you kind of want to know what's like, going on. unusual and unknown, and then added in with the tone of the film and the fact that it's growing exponentially and they don't know how to stop it and they don't know what's in there. Very scarily unknown. Like, it goes yeah. from, oh, let's explore that, to, oh, let's figure out what that is. And yeah. It's, it's really well done. In a sense, there's like no, because no crew has left, left the Shimmer. Only one person has left, and that was Kane, Oscar Isaac's character, or Lena's husband, is the only one who ever left. There's no way of knowing what's in there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's really great because it's just this threat of the unknown that's constantly expanding and getting closer and closer to civilization, which is, yeah, this huge threat. Yeah. And, like, then we don't get to, like... Obviously, the plot of the movie, Lena decides to go into the Shimmer. But we don't get that sort of, like, decision moment until she's already met the team that's going into the Shimmer, which I thought was very cool. Yeah. Um, 
she sort of goes and like she sneaks in to visit her quarantined husband. Um, yes. Why is it not better quarantined? It's just quarantine's not nitpick. great. No. It's like ah, the guard is asleep. Yeah. She just sneaks in there. Basically, Kane is being kept in in a holding cell, but that's got it's got like a clear tent. Yeah, it's got like a little plastic tent in it. Yeah. But that like he she doesn't have to unzip anything. She doesn't no. have to like there's no like whooshing of like sealed doors opening. She's just like in the room. Yeah, it's very it's very casual about quarantine. If anybody knows anything about like medical information, there was like this tube um oh, right, <laughs> that was yeah, like yeah. made of a like a really it looks like a soft, crinkly plastic tube, like <laughs> something that you would take off a straw i still yeah i still think that that was just a covering yeah what is is it just a covering is i think it, it just covers a, it just, i think it just covers an actual tube it really annoyed me like yeah. i sat there and i know when it did. i first yeah. saw this film for the first time will was sitting next to me and i was just like what's up with the tube <laughs> yeah i wouldn't let it go yeah no um, it's it's yeah but ultimately the whole quarantining of this guy who the only person to have left the shimmer um it's just it's just not very well done he's in like yeah a little clear tent with the zipper the zipped door partially unzipped sure everyone around him is in like full body condoms but like every time yeah every time lena has visited him yeah every time lena has visited him um she hasn't been in one of them Mm -hmm. so you know she you're just like letting someone carry whatever pathogen in and out and ultimately i'm sure everyone these days understands that you gotta properly quarantine mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. wear a mask if you're sick kids yes but yeah um then we come to sort of one of my favorite uh scenes which is her meeting the rest of the group like yeah it kind of gets a little iffy on the timeline here just because <sighs> one of the comments made by a character called anya who is played by Gina Rodriguez. Yes. Um, she's like, you're always here, or I always see you here, or something yeah. like that. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> Sorry? What do you mean? Yeah. How many days has she been here? Like, So this is a point where the timeline starts to get a bit iffy, because they haven't even entered the Shimmer yet. And mm-hmm. we have no idea how long Lena's been at the, at the research facility. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit weird, for sure. I'll talk about it a little bit more in a, in a future thing that I'm going to be talking about but like we'll do that after spoilers because there are yeah. you know I'm going to dip into spoilers when I exactly, do this stuff. Exactly. And I think one of my favourite parts about this is just the fact that she like says that and then they immediately start like oh um what's your like what are you here for? Like are you a scientist? Are you a soldier? And she's like oh I'm a biologist and they like start passing money around the table because they were making yeah. bets on like what her profession was i thought that was really like it was a very real moment between all the characters Mm. and it sort of showed that they had already known each other for a little while and lena was definitely the new person coming in yeah it also helped them pass the bechdel test so yeah the very important bechdel test bechdel Bechdel, yes Uh, but yeah it is for you know for all this film is it that still does a great deal of good in creating just a, a a story that is just watchably good and contains just well, I've just worded this terribly, but um, no, it's fine. I can't word things ever. Just <laughs> keep going. 
it you know it, it it's a film that has you know it doesn't make a big song and dance about having the main grouping of heroes and protagonists just be all women and all women yeah, scientists yeah. as well it doesn't it's very it's, watchable it's very yeah. oh this is our group of scientists not this is our group of women scientists like there's not the oh look our main character is a lady like yeah. they don't do any of that it's literally just like main character wants to fix her husband look yeah. at this cool group of people she's going with like it doesn't it doesn't pat itself on the back for doing that which is i mean great you know good for good for them i think in a sense cuz it just makes the story more easily viewable you know yeah. cuz there's not some sort of hidden agenda within it yeah Exactly. And while, you know, Lena has this whole thing about the only reason that she's doing this is for her man, like yeah. a lot of the other characters are just going in. <laughs> They're just like, yeah. yeah, whatever. And they have their own reasons, mm-hmm. which is good, you know, fair enough. I like I, that it's yeah. not all just centered around, we have to figure out what happened to this one person. It's like they each have their own individual reasons for going in. Yes. Um, and they all sort of keep those to themselves until. And later yeah, on until it's revealed later on yeah those kinds mm-hmm. of things uh if we're i think we're getting to like the close close to the end of our non-spoiler chat yeah got, i think we might put a warning for spoilers here where oh to i was gonna of... just say quickly just the last oh, yeah. few points before spoilers and stuff like the film pays a great deal of attention to continuity and one of these like one of these examples is uh, Josie's backpack is attacked by a crocodile once they reach the shimmer, once they get into the shimmer, and then later you see it like patched up with duct tape, and it's like little things that you don't have to do, but it's really nice that you do do them. I didn't even notice that. That's such a cool yeah. little detail. But it's yeah, it's it's this continuity stuff that I really really like. Just like how you know, because they're a big group of scientists who mostly don't have military experience they handle guns in the guns in a different way or a weird way and mm-hmm. and many of them don't necessarily know how to navigate normally and that's why when they enter the shimmer which are also just a big point before I before we move on to spoilers um what's really cool is that a lot of the color scape for before the shimmer is very like simple colors and it's a simple yeah. color palette and then it- not dull no it's not dull not in any way like it's a really nice color palette but then when they transition into the shimmer it feels dull in comparison it's really really well done but we like the first bit of the shimmer we actually get to see because they enter the shimmer and then like days go missing and they can't remember what happens we the first hint of the shimmer that we actually get is lena inside her tent and we're given just just a single primary color just yellow and then she leaves into the vibrant, like colors and lights of the shimmer. And it's it's the the yellow of the tent is like a really nice like palette cleanse. Mm-hmm. And then we get the vibrance, so it never feels overwhelming. Because if we went from straight like um, the the single colors and the single simple palette to the vibrance of the shimmer, we would have been yep. like, oh fuck, that's a lot. <laughs> Yeah, my eyes. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot to take in. Fuck this. It's, it's like, you know, when you're watching a movie and they go from, like, something really, really dark to, like, a bright white room and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's, Jesus. Yeah, it's a bit, it would be a bit much. But, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. it's super nice. I didn't even notice that they did that. But, like, yellow is always such, like, a happy or, like... Um, it's the universal colour. Yeah, it's the universal, like... It's, it's a primary okay. colour, but it's it's a nice colour to cut to. 
or to mm -hmm. look to because as long as it's not pulsingly bright it actually serves yeah, as a nice like neon. yeah it serves as a nice flat set color to start from a lot of a lot of films use yellow in some sort of variation and it's you know it's it's great that's why i refer to it as the universal color oh okay yes what? it's not it's not an actual thing it's not an actual term i i like yellow a great deal and that's i just why... full-on accepted that that was just like <laughs> a cinematography no it's not thing. it's me it's me <laughs> i really like yellow and i think yellow is a really good color to use regularly in film and you know photography and all that shit for the very for the clear reason that i don't think anyone's like i hate yellow yeah. But yeah, it's it's not important. We'll talk about yellow further on and to <laughs> death, you know. Uh, but but we yeah. So at this point, we'll just have like a little, a tiny little intermission. If you haven't seen the film, uh, go watch it now. If you don't want anything spoiled, because we're going to start spoiling things. Mm -hmm. We're getting um, into spoiler territories, kids, and we are. Yeah, this is just the time to, if you are intrigued by the film, if you like what we're talking about and want to see it for yourself, um, you can find it. the film on Netflix. So yeah, it's on Netflix. It. It's pretty pretty easy to get your hands on as well. I think you can find it on DVD at certain places. In Australia, we have a place called JB Hi-Fi. Their whole colour scheme is yellow. So really, if you go to a JB Hi-Fi by Annihilation, tell them Will sent you. Okay, and that's sure. not going to mean anything right now. No. But in, you know what? in a hundred like episodes time, they're going to be like, ah. Anytime yeah. anybody mentions yellow or we say really well done or the words well done, just take a drink of water because sure. we're going to be here for Hydrate a while. yourself, yeah. <laughs> Hydrate anytime you hear us say really well done or mention the color yellow. Yeah, but anyway, so spoilers have been, have been warned. You have been warned. Don't, don't watch on or listen on. If you don't want it spoiled. spoiled, yeah, go watch it. It's you know, it's not the longest film in the world, but it's it's not short either. No. So, you know, I don't think any films can be counted as short these days. Uh, yeah, I guess not. But mm. yeah, but I'm gonna start with the spoiler chat with one of my sections, which is Will's pointless research. Oh, so, so I had to start that. I'm gonna. So I've got two of these for this movie. Uh-huh. Gonna start with this one because it actually makes a little more sense with the early stuff that we've been talking about. Yep. So, right at the start, you know, when Lena is painting her house, Kane walks in through the front door and then just comes straight up the stairs. They live in... Supposedly. Supposedly. But, like... So, first off, first question, which I'm actually not going to answer in this. Um, how does he get inside? Surely she would have locked the door. They yeah, surely it. she would have locked the door, surely she would have hear, heard him walking up the stairs. He kind of just materialises in the bedroom doorway. Yeah, but I need that to not be true for my research to work. <laughs> so, ah. <laughs> so I'm gonna, I'm gonna predict Ignore that- Ignore it. I'm gonna predict that he didn't materialise because that also doesn't make, like, in, in this, in my research, that makes less sense than what I've looked at. Mm -hmm. So, as far as we know, Kane reached the lighthouse which is the location of where the asteroid or meteor hit the Earth. The, yeah, the point of contact. The we, know, we know for certain that he definitely got there. Home site. Home site, yeah. Ground zero. Ground zero, yes. Among <laughs> many other terms. Um, 
but we also know he got home to Lena. This Im- this implies because also he didn't go through the the research base. So this mm-hmm. implies that he evaded detection from the research facility outside of the Shimmer, which means well, I, actually that's pretty easy to do because it's one building. He could have gone a multitude of ways and missed them completely. Mm-hmm. We, however, we know that Lena and Kane live in Bal- uh, Baltimore. Sorry, I almost said Baltimore. Uh, we love that. Baltimore, because she teaches at Johns Hopkins University. She says that um, very early on. Uh, we know based on their conversation in bed that Kane would be located in the same hemisphere, so that narrows it down a little bit of where he could have gone or where the location of the lighthouse could actually be. So I cheated. I didn't actually <laughs> I didn't actually guess. So the geographical location of the lighthouse that they shot at was actually located at Holcomb Beach, which is in England. The distance from England, well, or the Holcomb Beach to Baltimore is about 5766.7 kilometers, which is quite a long way. This is about a 10 hour and 20 min- 25 minute flight, which means it would have taken him at least 11 hours for the separation from the shimmer to cause him to start dying. Yeah, and even then, like, 11 hours is, like, a very, very fugal measurement, because the second that he left the Shimmer, you would assume that was separation. Well, yeah, like, but... How did he get, like, then he's got to walk places. Yeah, he doesn't have a car. But I've been, I've been very kind in that he would have had to have taken a flight to get there, because he would have had to have crossed an ocean to get home. I know. And in is... a sense, with what we know, with what we've seen from how he spoke with Lena at the dinner table, that must have been a nightmare for the for like the person at the check-in to the airport. <laughs> what flight are you getting on? I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can I have your passport? I don't think I have it. Why? I don't know. Yeah, you know, just staring into Oscar Isaac's eyes as he just, you know, look, look, I look stares you down. I see Oscar looking incredibly sad and slightly disheveled and be like, it's okay, just just get on the plane. That seems really irresponsible of you. I'm an irresponsible individual. Yeah, but you just let some guy. No, 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 sure. not just some guy, Oscar Isaac. Well, technically, in this universe, we have no idea if Oscar Isaac exists in this universe. <laughs> No. He's Kane. He's a guy in military fatigues, walks up to you at the check-in, looking for a, um, a ticket for Is a plane. Is this really the part of my topic that we're going to nitpick? Not the fact that for this to even be, like, considerable, he would have had to f- fly there. Which, yeah. and if you think about it... Worst case scenario, he swam, which is worse. How did he not <laughs> die before he got back to the base? I yeah. feel like... Well, this is, this is the point of my pointless research. It doesn't change anything he got there in the in the face of the film he got from um the lighthouse to lena's place and didn't die on the way so it doesn't matter about this research but i thought it'd be fun to look it up and look into it (laughs) because yeah i genuinely think it's just like how do you get there look the time and just the they use like a time warp system and they explain that they're warping the time system but like i said just because you're using like different <laughs> rules for time doesn't mean that you can not have rules like you still yeah. have to follow rules they're just not rules known to normal individuals yeah exactly so. you know if the director uh what's his name i know his name alex garland if the director alex garland said to me look someone gave kane a lift i'd be like cool i get it that's mm-hmm. good that's good enough for me 
I don't yeah, care. Yeah, I really want to read, like, with any movie, you kind of have to have a suspension of disbelief at some point. Like, that's yes. just how plot expediency works. Yeah. Um, I would really be interested on reading the book that was written yeah. by uh, Death So would Demir. I, actually. Yeah. Um, and I probably will read it after, after you know. Oh, dude, I'm still looking this. it up. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. But, um, yeah, no, this, this whole, like, hence why it's called Will's Pointless Research, I'm just looking it up because I wanted to. Exactly. I thought it'd be curious. And so, like, we move into this whole thing where, you know, they're in the shimmer, they don't know time frame, none of their equipment works, there's this whole thing where Ventress is like, we weren't expecting any of the equipment to work, come on, yeah. use your heads, like, type of vibe. Um, and we quickly established that out of this pair of five, is it five? Uh, yeah, out yes. of this pair of five ladies, there's three that stand out as, like, specifically um, experienced or, like... yeah competent which would be uh shepherd um yes. who who plays shepherd again i don't know um, cassie shepherd is played by tuva i don't want to try and pronounce her last name n-o-v-o-t-n-y <laughs> okay um and like we immediately see that shepherd e ventress and lena are like the most competent it seems that anya and tessa thompson's character josie or josie, uh, yeah. Radic, um, yeah. is they're like, oh, nothing works, like, the compass is all weird, what's going on? Well, that's yeah. super interesting. Like, they seem very much more like, as a scientist, this is terrifying and dope. Whereas yeah. the other kids are like, alright, let's get our bearings, where are we going? Like, how long have we been here? Have we eaten rations? Like, they're very on top of, what have we done, even if we can't remember doing it? How and, can we get oriented? Yeah, in that sense, like, Anya, she's a paramedic it was brought there, and yeah. then uh, Josie was was a student of physics, like a physics student who was brought straight out. So, like she that, was literally fresh out of her like bachelor's yeah. or something. Yeah, and ultimately that's like the they're the least experienced members of the group, just purely because they have the least academic and life experience out mm -hmm. of the rest. And what I find interesting, since we've passed into spoilers, is they're the ones who are the most affected by the shimmer. Yeah. I mean, I slightly, a little bit, argue that Ventress was incredibly affected by the Shimmer even before sure. she got into it. Um, but that's because she is, A, um, I think her, like, specialty is psychology. Yes. Um, and she's the one that picks the teams. Like, she said this. Yeah. She's the one that picks the teams that go in. And she's only ever seen um, the one lad, Oscar's character, come out. Mm. So, like... For me, she's been affected by the Shimmer from the start, which means that the fact that she's affected inside goes relatively unnoticed because she's already in this mentality of, I've sent so many people in there to essentially die, we don't know what happened to them, and now it's my turn to go in and try and figure out what's going on, you know? Yeah, well, I, I feel or think that it's more so that the way it affects her outside of it is because of her nihilistic outlook. The only information we're given on her is that she has no friends or family mm. and she kind of volunteered to go into the shimmer. Yeah. Later on we find out that she had like late stage cancer as mm -hmm. well. So it to me I kind of see it definitely as a link of the only reason that I believe that she wasn't actually more heavily affected by the shimmer is because she went in there with a singular purpose knowing that she wouldn't come back out. Yeah, she went in with nothing to lose and yeah. an acceptance of death basically pretty much and i think that's why 
she's not affected in the same way that Anya and Josie are. And this is just probably a good time to bring up, this is another reminder that we did actually give some warnings at the start about <laughs> self-destructive um, tendencies yes. um, and gore warnings, which we will be getting into now that we're in spoiler territory. I will say, like, one of my first notes, it's not important, but um, I caught on on second viewings uh, right at the start. The, well, they play this so- one song, which is the only one with lyrics, and there's one line in it, which is, we are two alone and three together. And I thought that was really clever because on second viewing you catch it instantly where you're just like, oh shit, that's... Sure. That's... I didn't catch the you music didn't catch at it? all. Oh. I was just so enamored. Like, the only time I catch the music actually is when they're fighting the croc. Yeah. Um, and, like, they turn around and, like, they're firing bullets and it's really loud. And then for whatever reason they just, like, fade away into, like, no noise from the yeah. bullet noises. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, that's the one part of the music that I really noticed. Absolutely. But, yeah, for, for me, I noticed this lyric specifically because it relates directly to the story. Yeah, like, two alone, three together is really interesting when you figure yeah. out, like, you know, the fact that Kane wasn't really Kane when he came out of the Shimmer, and, mm. like... Lena comes out of the Shimmer, but she's ultimately changed, and together they're both, like, up... Like, the Shimmer is now a part of them. Like, they've been fundamentally and almost, like, at an atom level changed by the Shimmer. Yeah, but moving through the story of the film, we find that each member of the group uh, of scientists that volunteers to go into the Shimmer have done so for their own reason. Mm -hmm. You know, for uh, Josie, she's... She had been suicidal for yeah. a great period of time. There's a really really interesting thing there where um, I think it's Shepard specifically who's telling Lena about like what yeah. everybody has with them. So she's the one that brings it up. And it's like um, Lena questions. She goes oh, suicidal. And Shepard goes, no, I think it was more to feel alive or like yeah. to feel something. Which was really really interesting it sort of leans back into that like self-destructive tendencies um everybody who went in went in for a reason and that reason seems to be that they're all damaged goods and just to just to fill out the the set um anya you know just to uh, indicate or provide context for the others uh, anya is was an ex-addict well she she had an addiction to something yeah i think she good... was like an alcoholic yeah. substance abuse i think um, was what they said. Yeah, Ventress, we already know, she... she late stage cancer, late stage cancer. no friends, literally married to her job, and yeah. obviously Lena is the fact that her yeah. husband is so heavily affected by this thing. Mm. And Shepard, her daughter, had died, as yeah, well, just to indicate. And, oh, gosh, the, the in a way, it's two losses, mourning my daughter and the person I was before I lost her. Like, that was... A yeah. really, really lovely line. Like the dialogue is so well done in this movie. So this, all this stuff is revealed in a boat scene in which they're paddling up the stream. My problem, like I really like this scene too because we're given a good insight into it. But my problem with it is that this is the only bit of characterization we get for any of them. Yeah, except for Lena. Lena gets a bit more. Lena, yeah, but that's just because she's the main character. She's the main character. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It would be weird if that was all we got for her. But it's like. It's this one thing where it's like, I really enjoyed it because it was this strong moment of fig- of getting to find out ev- like what we what gives these characters a foundation in why they're here. But mm-hmm. we're told it in one one trip, 
yeah, up, it, up the river. Yeah, it would have been nice to sort of see it spaced out, or maybe like for it to happen just before or after each of the like individual people had their like big moment where they yeah. either die or go missing. But yeah, but also I find it like one of the little bit like staggering parts or the jarring parts for me was also that we're told this by Shepard so we're given insight into the secrets of each of these characters from one character yeah it and and we never get the we never get the opportunity to see them reveal it themselves yeah they don't get to reveal it themselves but also it gives Shepard this very like wise sage mother to the group type of feel yeah which then they kind of don't really bring up again. They kind of just drop it. Like, there's well, no... It's they not can't. like, oh, she's saying... They're like, oh, it gives this feel of she's saying it because she's trying to make Lena feel like she's not the only one that came in here with, like, yeah. some something that she's lost or, like, feeling like the big, oh, my husband just died and I'm throwing myself into this possibly lethal adventure. But it's weird that she would tell her, oh, it's fine. Everybody here has trauma as, like, a way to comfort her. Sure, yeah. And in that respect, it's it's good, it's fine, you know, it's ultimately, you know, doesn't ruin anything in any sense, and it provides a good background into our characters. And quite early on, too, because it's, it's not really that far in. It's one of those things where first watch, um, you won't, like, pick it up. You'll be like, oh, okay, no. and you'll focus more on the fact that it gives you depth to the characters yeah. rather than how it was provided and how that's a bit weird like i think one of my favorite things to say about this movie is that it's really really good if you don't look too hard <laughs> yeah absolutely i think it's a really enjoyable film if you don't look way too hard and have to nitpick it for a podcast if you're not I analyzing think, it and taking yeah. notes on it specifically to pull yeah, it apart that being said i still really great. enjoy this film so it doesn't matter if i nitpick it yeah, um, I'm one of those people that can just turn my brain off and, like, forget about all the nitpickies because I like the film, so... Mm. Yeah. Nitpicky. But, yeah, so, like, we're given insight into these characters, we move on, we get to where we spend... What feels like we spend the, the majority of the film is the, oh. like, the mm. scout station or the... Like, it's like an old, abandoned military base. Yeah. And you get a little bit of background about the fact that they were camping here before the shimmer started growing past it and so they've evidently like then it is one like nitpicky thing that um i always sort of thought every time i hear them be like yeah we were here and then the shimmer like got bigger and we had to evacuate i'm like why did you build such a big fucking building like if you knew that you were always gonna have to keep moving oh. why not just have something transportable no i think the military base was there there prior to the like it wasn't it built there before the shimmer <laughs> Oh, okay. I, I was under the no. Like, I think it. I think it had been there for, and then that's why I think modern? it's a scout station, or something okay. like that. But then again, it wouldn't have a pool, so yeah. if it were a scout station, so I think it was like a military base or something like that. But I think it existed there long before like the a shimmer. Training yeah. Camp or something. Mm. Yeah, and I think like that's probably it what more, it was. Yeah, it was more that like the newer base, the one that they start at before they go into the shimmer that to me feels like something they built for the shimmer because it's so like modern and boxy when you get like a big like thing of it and i'm like yeah. why would you why would you camp there if you know it's just going to exponentially grow like yeah no no i don't think they built that there 
before the shimmer because that's yeah i think way too close because it's only like a few days away from the shimmer or something like mm-hmm. that one of the things i really love about this is how much they drive home like that mutation and the fact that mm. um they call she says it like the the doubling pairs or something basically yeah two becomes four four becomes eight like and it exponentially however many there are they're all gonna double yeah um and so the bigger it gets, the faster it gets bigger. Yeah, and and I think where we see this in full strength at first here, where it's actually starting to really get strong. You see it like early on where flowers and plants are starting to develop and like by a certain extent the crocodile that attacks Josie um, has it because it's it's moving around and, you know, being affected by it in different, you know, potencies. But yeah. you actually get to see it really strongly here and mm, 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 mm. and then we're also given insight into uh kane's group this is With the first real a like little sd card yeah this is the first instance where we actually get to see the group that came before this mm-hmm. the group of scientists which it was kane's group and it was really interesting i think you might agree with me here on will it's quite a gory scene like it's actually when you get into the tape basically what happens is it's this visual of them all in like dark it's like there's watery noises around of them cutting open yeah it's super unsettling yeah yeah, it's super unsettling one of the like um soldiers stomachs and then Mm. they pull out his organs and they're moving and slithering like a big snake but it's it doesn't to me when I first watched it, it didn't feel like gore. Like it was no. they sort of ease you into it when he first puts the like knife to skin, it sort of cuts away to the girl's reactions to yeah. like a second to breathe. Um, it focuses a lot on Kane's face and the sort of very unhinged, insane, yeah. reverent expe- expression that he has and like things like that. Uh, rather than being like, ah, boom, blood, gore, you know? Because if anything, we're not super, we're not really even focused on what's happening inside this uh, soldier's intestines, which are, if you, I mean, you should have seen it by now, but the intestines (laughs) are, like, moving. Yeah, like a big snake. Yeah, what's, what I find, I think the reason why it doesn't feel quite as gory is because it's it's not necessarily about the intestines it's about watching Kane's descent. watching Kane yeah watching Kane's descent into insanity mm-hmm. where you and see then they him don't, they don't just end on the gore no. they like have this whole moment where the soldier's like you need to stop you need to stop and like he like Kane very like reverently and very like carefully like kisses his forehead and then like hold him down and you're like oh okay and then they don't end on the gore either they have like a moment where whoever's got the camera pans to Kane and he's like reverently washing his hands in the water yeah and you're like oh so they're crazy yeah so they're no these people have gone mad great and it's really interesting to me as well out of all of the reactions that we see the medical expert Anya is the one that has the biggest sort of denial of it she's like that can't happen it was a trick of the light like I've seen everything I've Mm. like scraped people off the side of the road that shit does not exist like she's very adamant about the fact that that couldn't have happened yeah she comes across as certain that what they just saw didn't actually happen and I think this is the first instance of Anya starting to descend. However, yeah. for me, it's also the first moment where I, I start to dislike Anya's character a lot more. Mm-hmm. 
because like she was so adamant about what they what them seeing about seeing on the tape wasn't real and then she's insistent that she doesn't want to see it again yeah like they're like well why don't you just double check like we all saw what we saw and she's like yeah. Mm, no <laughs> yeah she's just just angrily just no i'm not watching it again it didn't happen and it's just like oh, can you can you yeah it's like, like for me, I suppose for you that makes her an annoying character. For me, that's a very understandable reaction. Like, I would be that person where... Will knows this because he's watched several movies with me, but, yeah. like, the second that anything slightly painful seems to be happening on screen, I'm like, no, ouchie, uncomfy. Yeah. And everybody's like, are you scared? Like, do you not like horror? And I'm like, no, I'm just thinking about how painful that would be, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't want to... And then, like, people are like talking about it or like they're like oh can you imagine how much that would have hurt and i'm like no i don't want to hear it actually i'm okay just, yeah. just move past it so yeah to me I... that was like relatable in a way right. very very it was just a little too over the top i suppose her reaction uh, yeah and i i feel like that's probably what made it so like noticeable for me was that she was so adamant about it in that she 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 was just shouting that she didn't want to watch it again she also was shouting that she that it wasn't moving it wasn't a it was just a trick of the light and stuff like that and i was just like i i'm a very quiet person and i always feel like i i, I guess i have an innate disdain for people who regularly shout and yet you're friends with me yeah but you don't like just shout for no reason i think but it's it's one of those things where it's just like if you're shouting it's just gonna make you seem irritating yeah. In a situation where you could be a little bit more reasonable about like, the situation. They've come into this area and they knew weird shit was probably happening. Yeah. Um, and it's just such a very aggressive outburst. Especially because yeah. of how like slowly they eased you into the gore. And like mm. made it like less about the gore and more about the soldiers and how they were reacting to it. Yeah. To suddenly turn around and be like, oh look a shouty woman, you know. Yeah, but I also feel like it's it's this is like a trigger point for Anya's character in that this yeah. is this is a starting point where from this moment on she actually becomes super unhinged. Well, not unhinged. I like yes, she starts to unhinge and all that and she starts to slowly lose her mind, but she actually becomes more un she at that point she stops being cooperative within mm -hmm. the group in that whatever she wants to do she has to do it and we'll like as we'll move on i'll start to point that out a little bit but we're also given like at this point we're also given an insight into more reason as to why lena is doing what she's doing for kane and it's because she had an affair while he was gone yeah the flashbacks are super interesting yeah um the flashbacks with the affair specifically like the first one there's no like dialogue they just no, um start you just see mm. the the two people involved lena and the professor the colleague from her university surprise and then you're just <laughs> like oh god and or if yeah. you if you like picked up on the signs that there was something between them you're, you're like, like i knew oh, it oh that's what it was yeah, yeah. Less, oh, I knew there was something there, and more, oh, so that's why there's tension. Yeah. Um, and another thing that I would say about this is, with these sort of, like, affair things, you've also got flashbacks to her being happy yes. with Kane. Mm. Um, Kane has an accent in the flashbacks, oh, and it's right, kind yeah. of really jarring. To me, on the second watch, like, the first watch, I didn't pick it up as much. I'm sorry, I feel like my tone is getting louder as I get heated. <laughs> You're all but, good. Like, 
the first, like the second time I was watching it, I was like, whoa, he has an accent. Mm. Because he doesn't in the current day, which evidently yeah. when you get to the end of the movie is because it's not actually Kane. But like when I was watching it back, and obviously because I knew that they were two different yeah. characters, I was looking out for differences, and one of the differences is the accent. Yeah, the accent changes because the the copy doesn't have the the years of life experience that the other Kane does, which would shape an accent in a certain mm-hmm. way. And yeah. like I I can attest to this because you know we're both Australian, but I spent a great yep. period of time surrounded by English people, so my accent is yep. a little flatter. And because my family is Dutch, um, I always get asked where my accent is from. Like, Mm. a lot of Australians who hear me, especially over the phone, don't initially clock me as Aussie. Yeah. Because I I have a weird way of pronouncing certain words. Yeah, I think we could both attest to just how how much experience alters... Life experience. Yeah, life experience alters a language or an accent. Mm. Yeah. Even how you, like, learn and what your original, like, initial language is, like, your native language, changes the way that your accent will eventually sound because of the way that, like, cultures choose to, like, use vowels and stuff like that. It's super interesting. And it's also one of my, like, like, little bits that I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. They're different. But yeah, it's it's it yeah, it's one of these super little things that if you pick up on it, it enriches the story to a great deal, which in this film there are so many of these little things that are great. They're just super it's, super yeah, awesome to see. It's super funny because we keep saying this is a really well, I've said it, it's a really good movie if you don't look too hard yeah. at it. But then when you look at it you're like, Oh, look at all these little like Easter eggs and like if continuities. You, yeah, if you don't look at it with a critical eye then there are some really awesome bits in it. and If you look at it as like a where's Wally type of vibe, where you're yeah. just trying to... Yeah, the easiest distinction to make is if you don't look at it looking for negatives, then you're not going to find a whole lot of negatives. Yeah, if you're there specifically to have fun and you're pointing out the things that you think yeah. are interesting or well done, you'll see them more. Which is the same as, like, if you drive a red car, you'll see more red cars on the road because yeah. you unconsciously look out. But getting back to the the <laughs> the film, with with the uh, the affair, affair now now in our mind's eye and our knowledge, Oscar Isaac's next return in a scene where he tells Lena that he's leaving he has to leave today but I wanted to point this out because it's such an amazing scene because Oscar Isaac says just the points that you know I need to go today I'm heading out you know now I just wanted to say you know see you you know I just wanted you to see me off and I wanted to say goodbye but the acting that Oscar does in this is incredible because just with the look in his eyes you already know that he knows yeah you can see like his express this is the he always looks sad in this movie yeah. because he's so cold. I think one of like what you specifically wrote was pain and coldness in his yeah. eyes. And he's very short with her as well. Like it's mm. not like his whole posture. He's kind of like slouched, but like he's got like the big, like the squared shoulders. Like he's hunching forward to like talk to her, yes. but you can still see that he's like very like guarded. He's very stiff. Um, yeah. he's obviously got something that he's not telling her he goes I have to leave and she goes oh when and he's like now and she's yeah, like now. right now it's X in the morning and he's like I have to go you know like he's yeah. very I am only giving you the information I need to get through this mm. because you're my wife I love you I need to tell you that I'm leaving 
but I don't want to talk to you right now. Yeah, and but the bit that I really love is that she you, she can tell something's not right. You know, the way he talks to her, you know, you've seen how he talks to her previously, which is a really heartfelt scene where they're just chatting about stuff. But the way he's talking to her now, you can tell that something's wrong, even without the, oh, you can see the coldness and emptiness and sadness in his eyes and stuff like that. And she says, like, you, you know I love you, right? And he says, I love you too. But it, the way that he says it, it's not... But he's not lying. He's questioning no, it. Yeah. It's like, I she's like, really no, powerful. I love you, right? And he's like, do I? Do I? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I, well, I don't even know if I want to. And yeah, I think that's like, really Yeah, you know powerful. I love you, right? And he's like, sort of responding to her like, yes, I love you, is what he's trying to come across as, but you hear it as, but do you love me? Yeah. Do I want to love you? Like, there's a lot of... A hundred questions in one single expression, and I think it's oh, incredible. God. Yeah. The picture paints a thousand <laughs> words. Yeah. I think we're given a lot of insight into the affair without nothing, without, without nothing being said, without anything being said. And I think, like, look, I don't want to harp back of the Benedict Wong exposition shit, but, like, because nothing is said about the affair with the Benedict Wong exposition shit, we actually get to just see a lot of really good visual storytelling in that. Yeah, and then you get because, to sit like, with she's it. obviously not going to tell... Like, they're like, oh, yeah. why would you go in? And that's the yeah, one I fucked another dude. she's yeah. unreliable. It's like, because yeah. I had an affair, my husband found out about it, and then got himself, like, irrevocably hurt. <laughs> yeah. Eventually, we find out. He dived out, headlong killed. into danger because yeah. I, I had sex with some dude. Yeah. yeah, and it's super interesting. I also mm. love that we go to that backstory, and that backstory gives you like a lot of information about the couple and why each of them would have gone into the shimmer. And then it cuts back to them finding the site of the tape. Yes, yeah. And it's it's really like the way that the story interweaves the back, like the what is it called Wait. when you know you go back in time, you look at something flashback. flashback. The flashbacks are yeah. really well intertwined. With yeah, the storyline because then you find the site of the area. Well, and I think I think those flashbacks come after they find the area because do they? Yeah, because she sleeps, and that's where she sees them. Oh, but it's it's still good because they're closely related to each other. Yeah, and I I genuinely thought that it was like she saw the tape and then they no no. But I don't Shepherd, think they did. Shepherd like runs down a hallway, doesn't she? Yeah. Yeah. And, like, they find the pool area, and the pool area has, like, the littlest amount of water left yeah. in it. Um, it's super interesting to see a pool without water in it, and, like, how the, like, deepness <laughs> Sure, happens. yeah. Uh, the ramp, <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, the ramp. Unrelated um, note, as a yeah. Note. But that's one of my favorite, like, cinematic shots. Oh, yeah. They it's... come up, and there's this weird fungal growth on the wall. Yeah. With a skeleton split in half around mm. the abdomen area as a part of this growth and yeah. you go oh that's the dude yeah the corpse that's of the, the man they cut open cut open yeah and it's his, super like, cool his organs were moving and it's almost like they pushed his body apart because like his torso is up on the wall yeah and his legs like, are still in the chair but yeah he's still sitting in the chair yeah <laughs> Just pretty heavy, but yeah. yeah. It's, it's, and like another really interesting thing is that like everything's mutated and all of this cool stuff is happening. His watch is relatively untouched. Like it's yeah. obviously a non-organic material, and mm. therefore it's pretty much being like <laughs> like most watches are. Yeah. 
leather is technically organic. <laughs> That's true. You know what? Yeah, you got me there. Yeah, yeah. it's it's just ugh, I love the cinematography of it. I love that we immediately see like the person that finds the knife, which is super interesting, is Tessa. Um, I'm never gonna remember Josie. her character's name. <laughs> yeah, Thank Josie you. Reddick. Yep. <laughs> Watch me forget that in five yeah, seconds. Yeah, it's fine. She finds the knife, sees it, goes to pick it up, gets it like far enough out of the water to realize what it is, drops it, and goes, "I don't want to stay here." Yeah, like it's very, very well done. That sort of visual moment of, "Oh shit!" Yeah, we're given a really good insight into time and place. In that, the previous patrol was here before, and now we know exactly where where in different points. And I think that's really interesting, and really yeah. fun to see done in film. It's yeah. It's really, really well done. <laughs> yeah, and just in like a little note on like in a little diversion, but still on the same page of characterization. We've been talking a lot about self destruction, and at a at this point in the film, Ventress gives like a little speech on self destruction. Yeah. I wanted to quickly point it out because it's actually not really psychologically sound. No. Hu- humanity, human, humanity's not uh, inherently uh, hardwired to self-destruct. That's an yeah, evolutionary like process. Wired into our DNA. Yeah, know? and it's it's not. No, it, not not, not specifically, all. but that's not a bad thing because, in actual fact, it's not psychologically sound because it's actually more reflective of her than generalizable. It's, yeah. a, it's about her mental state in that she believes that people it's, are self-destructive because of everything she's seen, everything she's lived through, you know? It's super interesting. You can tell that Ventress sees herself as, like, the head of the group and the leader. Yeah. Because she doesn't really do much except no. ask them questions and have, like, these little moments where she talks about things. Um, like, she's got this very, like, all right, we knew that wouldn't happen. What do we do next? Or... Yeah. then we'll do that. Like, it's too late in the day for us to move on. Like, she's very, nope, we're sticking to the plan. I'm yeah. the boss and I say so type of fight. We keep going. Yeah, she never pulls rank on anyone. But, but you can tell that she yeah. has rank. Yeah, and she she has this air of authority about her that leads people to just follow her, even if they don't yeah. like her. She says it and everybody disagrees with her and they're still like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, then it, it comes, like, I would say the pool scene is one of the ones one of the scenes that's used most in the marketing for this film. Promotional art? Yeah, Yeah, there is something that I will say, and I understand that every shot shouldn't draw on for too long, but I really wish that they would just give us a little bit longer to look at the details. A lot of the, like, really interesting details, like a lot of the mutations and, like, stuff that's happening is either, like, out of focus or, like, focused on for, like, a short period of time. Yeah. Because it's used with the promotional material, you do get a lot of, like, really nice looks at this specific, like mutated man on the pool wall and you've shot. seen it a certain amount of times but I in know. the movie it it flicks away so fast I just wanted yeah. to take it all in sure yeah I, I know before I'd even watched any of it I thought that this like figure was going to be like a monster that they face or something like that mm. having no knowledge about the film but I was actually going to use that as a segue to the next point of yeah. the thing that pretty much everyone who watches the film talks about which is the bear Oh, the bear. The bear. <laughs> Something that we both love and hate in equal measure, I think. Because the bear, I'm going to just say it straight out, the bear is super cool. Like, it's crazy. It's a crazy kind of interesting, like, it's monster. It's or... part that makes you realize, oh, this story 
really, really thought about what it was doing. Yeah, mm. in a sense, yeah, but it's like, it's this just imposing figure that bears are fucking terrifying in real life. You shouldn't think a bear is cuddly, it's a wild animal, it's dangerous, it's terrifying, but this bear is, is mutated to all hell, and it's just generally super terrifying. more terrifying. Now, actually, funnily enough, I feel like what I was talking about with they sort of move on from things too quickly goes mm. really, really well with the bear and the bear's first appearance. You don't get yeah. to see the bear in its first appearance. No. You get to hear that it's, like, cut through the fence wire and they're like, oh, it's sliced through it like it was nothing. Yeah. And then suddenly all of the women are down and they've all got their guns out and they're looking around and for whatever stupid reason... Shepard wanders slightly forward from the rest of yeah. the group and disappears into screaming terror. Well, no, we, we get one shot of the bear attacking her and grabbing do her. Do we? Yeah, we do. But it's 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 so weirdly edited that it almost cuts to bear attacking Shepard and then cuts to everyone reacting, then cuts to it uh, Shepard being dragged away by the bear. But it's there's also no... what I think is a cardinal sin of movies. It's so yeah. fucking dark, you can't see anything. Sure, yeah. That's not great but there's also no audio cue to the fact that the bear is there there's no, no. visual cue it just appears or yep. like about 20 meters away from the group and then disappears and it's like this is a really f terrible first impression yeah you don't get to see it stalking them you don't even get to yeah. see it through the fence you see there is a hole in the fence yes then you see there is a bear then you see the bear is close to the team. Like, there's no gradual movement into the attack. It's just like... Yeah, they also don't fence, attack it. Bear, attack attack. It. They don't shoot the bear. Oh, no one fires a shot. They just no, watch it No, I think it there leave. was like one or two shots that go off. Oh, right, okay. Well, that's, that's I on think, me. But I think that was like Shepard's gun that was going off. Yeah, probably. Like but yeah, it's, it's one of those things. Free. They don't really do a whole lot to stop it from taking Shepard. No one does a whole lot to stop it from taking Shepard. They really needed to do more with the disappearance slash attack on Yeah, Shepard. I don't, yeah, I actually would agree that not enough is done there. It's really, really quick. It happens technically off screen. Like, yeah, it happens yeah. off screen, but it's really, really dark and yeah. can't see much and it cuts away from it so quickly that it feels like they just went, boop, Shepard's gone. Shepard's like, gone. And then we have, like, gone. we have tension within the group because Shepard is the only one who held the group together, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Coming back that, onto that She's yeah. the mum of the group that sort yeah. of, like, takes that caretaker role, and they don't really do much with it because they immediately rip that from the group to create tension. Yeah, and, like, one half of the group is like, we need to go find her, we need to go find her. The other half of the group is like, she's dead. We gotta yeah, keep moving. Dead. Also, it's the middle of the night, are you stupid? <laughs> like... Yeah, and so they, they don't go searching for her because it's the middle of the night. The next morning, the same two, Josie and uh, Anya, like, we have to go find her. We have to, or we have to go back, at, you know, we have to leave. And it, it creates this divide within the group where one half's like, we have to keep going. We have to reach the lighthouse. The other half is, we need to go back. We've seen enough, you know. Mm, yeah, Just surviving would really, be enough. really, really interesting to me. I think this is the one time that I really like Wong and his exposition. Yeah. Because Lena says going back would be slower than continuing forward because yeah. it already took us x amount of days to get here 
Yeah, six. We know it's X amount of days to the coast, mm. and then we just have to follow the coastline out. You yeah. know, that's her like very logical explanation for it. And yeah. then you cut to Wong, and he's like, "Why would you say that?" And she's like, "Because I wanted to keep going. Like it wasn't." And we realize that actually that's not a sound decision because you know that it's four days out or yeah. six days out rather than X amount of days to the coast, and then you have to follow the coast out. You know, that's not you out. The coast is just the way to get to the way out yeah the way to get to a way that you're certain that you'll get out yeah the way to figure out where the hell you are not the way to get out so but she makes that decision so quickly yeah but then it's also good that in in this you know situation it's the most responsible choice any of them have made yeah it feels really really responsible and then you cut to wong and you realize that it was incredibly emotionally like minded which is what i really like about his expositions and specifically in that part is like oh yeah that's logical she's put it in a very logical way and then it's like why would you say that she's like because yeah. that wasn't me to leave like but yeah and i will say just for context because i you know it'll it'll be a part of what i talk about a little later on but uh in this you know debating scene where they're deciding what they want to do either go to the lighthouse or head back Anya, again, is, like, just super unreasonable about it. She just wants to leave Mm. without thinking about, like, the consequences of going back the way they came or anything like that. And it's this just... It's one of these situations where she's just past this point of where she's like i'm not gonna reason with these people i'm gonna be angry about whatever decision we make and if i'm if i'm provided with reason then i'm not gonna listen to it because it doesn't fit what i want and that's why she started to grate on me a little bit and i've got a little point just a little bit further because as they're traveling they see a hint of shepherd's gear and they're like oh shepherd is probably this way we could probably track her and they they come to a decision that lena's gonna go check it out and this is the point where i didn't i like i was just like oh god because uh in every other situation anya is like has been defiant or stubborn the entire way literally the epitome of i am rebelling because i don't want to do your idea i only want it to be my idea in this scene she goes i'm coming with you lena goes no and she's like all right that's it and she leaves it alone she doesn't go with it or investigate and it's the only it's the only time she she conforms and it doesn't make sense and that's why i find her character a little bit rocky in certain situations yeah i suppose like as a suspension of disbelief argument playing the devil's advocate yeah absolutely wanting to go and find shepherd was her idea so it probably feels to her the fact that they said no we're not going to go find shepherd she's obviously dead yeah. and then went okay we'll send lena to go look for her she was like yeah they're doing my thing like yeah i I've yeah won. and in that sense that's fine that's but fair enough that's like the way that i would reason it specifically also they're all going slowly insane so you get a little bit of leeway with the way that they're acting yeah sure um but then when they find shepherd i once again stop rushing really emotional moments (laughs) yeah we see we see her corpse like once and then they just she's just like oh she's dead cool moving on it's also like a timeline thing is like the the the, the blood from like that's coming from her nose is already like looks kind of green and mossy like yeah. how long has she been there there's who knows what's happening we there's don't show, know really for like two seconds there's this thing where lena's like walking alone and she sees a deer and then next to it she sees a deer that's like dying and decaying and they're like cool you get to see that 
for two seconds. Mm. Um, you get to see it in focus for like half of that, and then they just wander off. And I'm like, oh, we're not gonna. Okay, like everything that's really visually nice and cinematog, cin, cinem, cinematic. Thank you about this movie. I feel like they should just give it like one more second to breathe. Yeah, let it let it live in those moments. Mm. The, the movie is really, really well paced, but there are just certain mm. bits that feel rushed. Yeah, absolutely. But then, yeah, moving on from this point, we, we head to the small town. Oh, yes. Where we get a, a bigger insight into what's going on within the within the Shimmer. Radic? Yes. Yep, that's the... She goes on about, like, the human hox gene and how she's figured out that um, things aren't getting, like disappeared or blocked like all of their receivers are getting scrambled yeah. rather than like blocked or intercepted scrambled yeah, it's being reflected yeah refracted and then they talk about how the plants are mimicking the human hox gene and because basically in this area there are all of these plants that look like people people yeah which is really really eerie when there's just one of them chilling in the background and you don't know whether or not it's going to come alive yeah. um and, like, they sort of talk about how everything's being refracted, even DNA, and that's why the plants have the hox gene and know where to put shoulders and hips and yada, yada, yada. And it's a really, really interesting, like, moment where she's like, aha, as a scientist, I really liked it. Yeah, and I will say, for people who figure this out early, or only figured it out until here, we're actually, another super awesome little detail is that all the light that actually passes through the shimmer is actually reflected like it's reflected through a prism. So in the background you'll see like just rainbow and that's because light is being reflected through a prism. Yeah, and even where we didn't say that the light is being reflected through a prism, we were talking about how much like it's colorful and vibrant yeah. and there's like a lot of stuff happening. The lighting really lends to that in such a subtle way until mm. you're going back and going, ooh, it's prismatic. And then, you know, that's like I said, a really, really lovely moment where they talk about, like, they have that... I just really like the fact that they're scientists and they're allowed <laughs> to, like, geek out about science, yeah. even though it's a very dire situation. Like, it's very, very, if you've ever met someone who does anything scientific, accurate. Yeah. Um, where they're like, oh, I figured out the thing. How interesting is this? Let me info dump about it really quick. Like, Yeah, I think it's always lovely to see people passionate about stuff and mm -hmm. it, it lends to their characters that they would be excited, or not excited, but interested at the very least about the shimmer refracting, you know, light and waves and everything, you know, mm -hmm. because it comes from a place of science, not only biology, but also physics, which are both areas in which Josie and uh, Lena are experts in. Yeah, which is super cool to see. Yeah, but in this town we get the second meeting of the bear, which I actually really, I liked so much more than the first, because oh. we're actually... Well, yeah. I like it, but I also dislike it for certain reasons. Yeah. But um, before they get to the bear, they have yeah. this moment where we really, 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 at this point, get to see that Anya is going crazy. Yeah. And I wish this was foreshadowed a little sooner than, like, two scenes before. Because they're all sitting down and they're turning around and basically deciding that they're going to camp out in the living room of this house and, like, camp there for the night. And they're like, oh, secure all the windows and doors. And Anya, uh, Anya, Anya sits on a yeah. couch and looks at her hands, mm. but her hands are out of focus. Yes, and, and it's it, a really beautiful use of focus, honestly. Yeah, it's really, really nice. To me, it's slightly annoying because I'm like, 
Yeah, well, it's it's this one of these things. You got to use focus very sparingly because if you if you're constantly changing focus on things that people are looking at, then you're going to make yeah. them feel sick. Exactly, and that's and a so, really like, bad I idea. A, I have a love hate relationship with the focus in this movie. Yeah. Oh man, Just you're going to hate Army of the Dead then. Ugh, jeez. We will um, get around to reviewing that. <laughs> but but not basically, the reason that I have a love hate relationship to it is because I'm one of those people who you've heard me say it. I just want them to give it a little more. I want to be able give to it a look at time. the thing. Yeah. I really want to be able to like pause the screen and like dissect that specific image. But a lot of the like well, well in that case, you're going to love Arrival. Shush, sir. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're like. Hmm. What are you saying? Sorry. I'm just. For, you know, everybody who can't see me because this is a podcast, I'm making little crab hands to try and remember what my point was. Uh, When she sits there, I really wish that it was slightly in focus. Or, like, I get that it's out of focus and it makes sense for Anya's descent, but also, like, a lot of the, like, cosmic horrors and, like, the very, very quick and rapid changes, whether mentally or physically to the women, happen out of focus. Yeah, actually, yeah, out of focus or just out of frame. Out of focus or out of frame. Yeah. And I get that it's cosmic horror, but, like, jumping ahead a little bit just to come back to make my point is with Radix's character... Yeah. You're all good. I will eventually remember her name. And um, then it won't matter because we'll be on to something else. Yeah, she'll have, like, vines in her arms. Except we never get to see the vines in focus. They yeah. come up really, really quickly. So at first, they look like little cuts, like just like her cuts have gone green on her arms. Yeah. And then the next time you see them, you're like, oh, maybe that's not green. Maybe there's something on her. And then you don't see her arms for a couple shots. Yeah. And then they come back to the shot and suddenly they're like out of focus. She's running and they're growing at exponential speed. And I'm yeah. like, okay. And I will say, just so that I can play devil's advocate here, is that mm. I assume this is probably because they want the cinematographer and director or everyone involved in this film probably wanted to convey more the sense of uncertainty more yeah. so than just giving you the answer because ultimately we don't have other than the bear and the crocodile to a certain extent we don't have a big bad villain really no yeah so so we're given this sense that well. we're we're being made to feel not confused but uncertain about everything that's going on or mm-hmm. unaware of everything that's going on you might miss like see one thing but then miss the next thing and you're just like you don't have the full picture so you're slightly you want to feel well they want you to feel like you're in the dark on certain things which, so yeah, which is I fair and with Anya, it's more, it's not even that something is actually happening to her, it's in her head and so we yeah. have to illustrate that some way you know, because if yeah, we actually do it Yeah, and I really like her... that we have that moment. I just wish that, like, that moment had come a little a little sooner. Like, coming back to my point. Yeah. It feels like they foreshadow it, and then, like, the next scene is her going crazy. And I'm like, oh. Yeah, a lot okay. of the situations are very, are quite drastically We We didn't fast. leave Chekhov's gun cold very long. <laughs> yeah. No, not really. Getting onto this scene where she goes crazy, she ties the crew to a chair. Mm. Two chairs, not all to one chair. They're not all just sitting on each other's laps tied together. <laughs> that would be weird. They're all sitting on separate chairs. Yeah. They're all bound and at Anya's mercy. Yeah, and she's all like, maybe I'm going crazy, maybe you're going crazy. You know, mm. she's figured out that Kane is Lena's husband and um yeah which i think is what sort of was the catalyst for her outburst definitely sped up the outburst sure because she finds a locket 
with Lena and Kane in it, or Lena has this locket that's been on her the entire movie, which has a picture of Kane in it, and she finds the locket, yeah. um, wakes Lena up, asks her a couple questions about it, Lena goes, what's going on? And she goes, you don't get to ask the question, and knocks her out with the butt of the rifle. Yeah, it's like, this is not a very diplomatic way to solve a problem, but at this oh, point no, she's no, gone no. mad. So it doesn't matter. And, like, I suppose... I think you thought that, like, the inconsistency of what she was saying shows her insanity. Well, I, th- I found it ironic, but then I also, like, in a sense of, like, just basic story structure, I find- found that a little annoying as well, because it was just, yeah. like, she she's she lacks any sort of self-awareness that she can't even see that the things that she's saying Which are is funny indications. Which is I disagree with you there. I oh, yeah. really liked that. I liked the fact that she was like, you know, I've tied you to these chairs because I don't know. Like, Ventress knew that this was your husband. Like, she's been lying to us too. Mm. Did you know? And she looks at Radix's character. Yes. And she's like, did you know? And she, like, shakes her head and makes, like, a little sob noise. And she's like, oh, I don't know if I can trust anyone. Like, your husband was cutting someone open in that film. What if you do that to me? Like, what if I let you go and you immediately tie me down and cut me open? Yeah. What if I do it before you can get to it? And I'm like, oh, like I like the 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 fact that you can hear in what she's saying, the fact that she switched from I've tied you up for my safety to I am going to do this so you can't get to me later. Like it's, she feels like she's doing this all as like a preemptive strike, but it's incredibly unhinged. And I really really love the like descent. Sure, and yeah, ultimately it's still a pretty decent descent though quick and for me just annoying you know i just found it a little (laughs) annoying but that's just me that doesn't matter but we get the second instance of the bear at this point which i also feel is a little convenient because they have no way of escaping this situation and the bear comes back yeah it definitely is like oh look plot (laughs) yeah plot bear he's here he's here in a way to save the day Sure, sure, but, sure. Yeah, but it's also, like, the bear's appearance is super cool because it's, like, we've learned that it can... It had, like, taken some of uh, Shepard's blood and had now begun to, like, replicate her voice in a certain yeah, sense. Yeah, there and was it's, this whole thing, yeah. and I really... If we had it focused for two seconds longer on Shepard's body, yeah. her throat is ripped out. Yes. And the voice... The bear... The voice bear. The bear, the bear shows up and can use her voice. Yeah. Like, well, its moans it. become her voice in a weird yeah, way. Yeah, it's sort of like in the way that it calls out to people, it sounds like Shepard saying, help me. Yeah. And, like, from far away, it sounds like Shepard. Up close, it sounds like an incredibly distorted recording of Shepard. Yeah, and that, you know, we're not gonna... Like, we don't want to just go through point, like point to point of the uh the film but that causes Anya to leave and then be well brutalized and then a second bear attack but this one is more slow and actually takes the time to build uh tension yeah and it's super good it's really really daunting to watch you know because it sniffs around it bites into uh Josie and you know does a bunch of terrible things to her like rips through her and stuff and then Anya comes back Anya then dies yeah and gets her like so we think that out. Anya's died off screen because we hear yeah. her screaming and then the bear walks in and what I really loved about the bear 
was yeah the CGI for the bear was a little off. But yeah, well, only in one situation where it's yeah. lit, Honestly, illuminated by the floodlight. A it just lot looks of terrible. CGI monsters, whether they be more realistic or more unrealistic, always have the issue where as soon as you've seen them in their entirety, they lose a little bit of their like scariness. That's yeah. just something that happens. The, the unknown is always a little bit spookier than the CGI monster. Yeah. But well, John Carpenter they, said that. Like, he didn't believe in the don't show your monsters thing. He he believed yeah. more in the, you know, you sh- usually shouldn't show your monster, but if you're going to show your monster, make sure it's a fucking good one. And I think yeah. I think this bear is definitely a good one. Mm-hmm. And the reason that I really, really love the bear, despite the CGI issues, is yeah. because it's very, very visually clear that it is decaying while yeah. still alive. You can see its skull. And then you quickly realize that whatever happens to has happened to it, it can't see or smell. Yes. Which is then in the scene, not to point by point it, but they're like, don't react, don't make a noise, because it's making yeah. the like, help me noise of Shepard, and then like, yeah. not sniffing, but it, 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 it test nibbles. It test tests, nibbles. test nibbles yeah. on Radix, because it's trying to figure out if... If I bite this, will it move? Is it actually something I can eat? Because mm. it can't see or smell, so it's doing its best to like bump into things and figure out what the hell's going on. Yeah, in in that sense, it's all really, really well done. The tension is really high in this moment, and you actually get a really good sense of dread. Uh, mm-hmm. Just looking at the time, I'm thinking that we'll probably run through to the to the end. Yeah, there's quickly. not much that happens. It kind of ramps up from here anyway. Yeah, just as like a quick summary, we get to the point where the bear is killed, the group get away, not with Anya, Anya dies and is dead. Uh, Ventress chooses to leave on her own because she kind of can't trust anybody else and... It's specifically, she's like, everybody's obviously getting affected. Yeah. I want to be the same person who started this journey at the end of it. And then yeah. she runs off. And then um, Josie kind of just like accepts that this is the end and she just fades away. Mm-hmm. She Pretty says much. something like, she disappears. Um, Ventress wants to face it, you want to fight it, I don't want either of those things, and yeah. then disappears into nothing, which and I too would just peace out. Like, honestly, that was super traumatic. I don't want to be guess. here anymore. I don't want to exist. Goodbye. Like, Yeah, it's a pretty, a pretty nihilistic situation, no matter how you look at it. It's terrible. Yeah. What can you do? So, yeah. But then we'll head up to the lighthouse. So Lena finally reaches the lighthouse. There are so many human bones just like arranged artfully outside of the lighthouse. Don't yeah. know why. <laughs> but we are given an insight to the to the final uh, second last big twist of the film, which is that the cane that came home isn't the cane the same cane that left. It is in fact a duplicate. A duplicate, <laughs> yeah. And this is really nicely done because you know the only perspective from Kane that we get is through the camcorder videos where he what he records so we get even less information than Lena provides from Kane from his journey and then you know his video slowly starts to become just more like almost ritualistic until it comes yeah, to the last Yeah, he's sitting video. there, he's talking, he's obviously having the biggest identity crisis that anybody's yeah. ever had in their entire life. And then he looks off camera and says, like, when you get out, you need to find Lena, you need to go, like, da-da-da-da-da, like, giving all of these instructions to someone off camera. Yeah. And then he pulls a flash bomb uh, on A phosphorus himself. grenade, yes. Oh, thank you. There you go. 
same yes. thing. Um, and it sort of like whatever. <laughs> it goes <laughs> Not off. Not really. A big but bright light. Matter. He becomes uh, dead. You can see sort <laughs> yes. of. Yeah. <laughs> but like it's really interesting because when she walks in there's like a very charred like body yeah, there's and a then charred through watching the tape you realise that that charred body is Kane yeah. and you, you sort of have this moment where oh but Kane is dying Kane is here. He's got, yeah. like he's he's not dead he's dying yeah. and then from out of the background steps duplicate Kane duplicate and we get a really nice reaction from Lena here where she sort yeah. of goes, <gasps> like, she has this moment where you can see her go through, like, the stages of grief and she's, like, denial and, like, duh, like, it's very interesting. Yeah, she freaks out and, like, has to take everything on. However, this leads th to my second section of Will's pointless <laughs> research. Because first time watching it, it did irk me that she turns this, um, this camcorder on and it's still on. It still has power. It's that not was off. As... It's not like she powers it up. No, it was on standby. And she just flips open the camera and then it's work. It's on and playing the video, uh, the last bits of video that it has. And as someone who... Do. Yeah, as someone who works with camera equipment, um, I wanted to look into this. So the camcorder, once I did a little bit of like research, the camcorder's not real. It's a prop. And that, of course, makes sense. Fucking duh. It's a prop. It's in a movie, it's probably a prop. It's probably not real, because it's a military, like, issue camera. However, the camcorder that's underneath all the prop stuff is real. And it's, you know, it's a pretty substandard camera that you could probably buy at a JB Hi-Fi if you're ever there. That's the yellow building. Um, but it has a pretty standard battery. So a Canon battery of that same size with a wattage of about 2000, which is actually pretty generous for a camera battery, has about a battery life of about an hour, 30 minutes on continuous filming. I then rewatched the film and then saw, then this was confirmed when in the mess hall scene with Radix camcorder, it has about an hour and 28 minutes of battery life. This camera was on standby for, the camera that Kane had was on standby for four months, at least. Yay! The only question I have about your research here is oh. obviously she no, feels it's like sound. It's sound research. <laughs> I'm aware. She feels like she was only in there for like eight or ten days or whatever she says. Yes. Um, but she was in there close to three months or whatever they end up, you know, saying at the very yeah. end. Ah, so but, I, but I've also done you... this. Oh. Because there is a line in the film where when Josie or Radic asks how long he had been in there, Lena says theoretically as long as a year. Yep. Yes. Oh, so the four months does account for the time dilation. Yes. We also know that Lena stopped sending messages to, well, stopped asking for reports six months into his 12-month uh, deployment, mm. which gives me the indication that the camera was probably being used for at least four months. Jesus, okay. So as I say, my <laughs> I'm maths, like, I have one question, you're like, it's sound. It's sound, you don't, can't, uh, this is Don't Will, at me. This is Will's pointless research, all right? This is my, this is my, <laughs> bit. <laughs> this is the bit where I talk about bullshit that I researched and I'm going to do it for everything. When we get to Paddington, you better believe that I'm going to have pointless research for that. This stitching on his stuffing was ever so off by a millimeter. Paddington's yet. a real bear in the Paddington movies. We're not doing that. I'm I've never seen the Paddington movies. Well, okay, you let's, will. We're back. 
We're getting tangenting. This doesn't tangenting. matter. But anyway, that's just my pointless research doesn't matter ultimately if... But if, even like on first watch, immediate question. How yeah. does that camera still work? If Alex what battery got, life does it have? Here's the thing. It's again, like I said with the other pointless research on how Kane got home, if Alex Garland said there were other batteries in his in his bag of phosphorus, phosphorus grenades, then I'd be like, cool, mm. perfect. Love it. Love your film. If he just didn't show her pressing... I said that with a lot of like... Anger. Bitterness. Yeah, bitterness. <laughs> I don't actually mean that. I'd be like, yeah, Yeah, sweet. yeah, but you know, like, um, if he'd just been like, oh, yeah, we just cut out the scene where she was booting it up because it, like, was, it took too long in the film's yeah, sure. runtime. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Like, what? that doesn't matter. doesn't mean anything to me. That's okay. Mm-hmm. I do this research because I find it fun. Mm-hmm. And I also studied scientific research in my bachelor's degree, so I have How to use it at some point. Well, is it? He's big brain, guys. This is what I'm using it for. I think I like to call him my smart idiot. So. How did how did how did a guy get home without a passport, and why did that battery work? That's what I've been yeah. using my scientific research on. Incredibly important groundbreaking information. <laughs> yeah. Moving on. Moving on to actually the point. Of this like hole, which is the point of impact for the shimmer, which I think yes. I can't remember where in the Back scene. To the it might be at the very end, but they show like whatever it is hitting the lighthouse and impacting. That's and right at the start of the like, film. Oh, is it? It's one of the first frames we actually see. Cool. I don't have a concept of time. That's okay. We'll Neither does this film. <laughs> which is good. Which is a good thing. Um, yeah, um, like, you see the point of impact, and everything in the lighthouse is, like, pale white, like, almost, yeah. like, bleached coral vibes. Yeah. Except this hole. Yeah. Which is very, very black, for whatever reason. It's, like, dark and Well, yeah, it's a, it's a cave, so it, it creates shadow. Mm-hmm. And we come in, and <laughs> Ventress is in the cave. She's just chilling. Yes. And, um, my one question is, did you eat the entity? I think it went what in happened? her. What happened? Because she's like, it's unlike us. It's inside me now. And then, like... Yeah. And then it leaves out her mouth, yeah. How? I, I think I think it was just like, well, look, we could, we could never know what happened there. We could ultimately ask for another movie where it's just what did Ventress do in that cave for, like, the hour that Le- it took Lena to get... You could write yeah. at least six books, you know from this and that's each of the perspectives of all of the different main characters sure but most people wouldn't read it because it's just like it's a lot of the same story over and over again yeah with little different bits but that's okay i'm a special person (laughs) that doesn't matter but yeah i guess like i i assume it just went into her she didn't Mm -hmm. eat it like it was like a toblerone Mm, tasty entity yeah like we don't we don't know what happens but i assume based on suspension of disbelief or just reasonable thought it was just like, I am this formless entity. In I go. And, you know, Pop. that's about it. Yeah. And then she turns into, like, light. And that's a really, really nice effect yeah. um, that happens. And eventually, you know, whatever. It's turning into light. Though it's pulsing. And I like it because it kind of comes with the prismatic. Like, everything's refracting. It's got a very, like, kaleidoscope feel to it. Yes. In that moment. Um I think it's one of the best-looking, like, um, aliens to date of, like, modern films. I think it's one of the best-looking aliens ever. Yeah, exactly. I really, really liked it. For what it was trying to do and how modern it is, it really doesn't date itself, which is quite nice. Yes. Um, I'm moving on really quickly because I am conscious of time. (laughs) It takes a bit of blood from um, Lena's eye and then creates 
what I really, really like to call the morph suit entity. Oh, the morph um, suit entity. A, du- <laughs> a duplalina. Yeah, a, well... Well, not yet. A mannequin. Mannequin, That is yeah. the same colour as everything else in the cave, which is yeah. like that bluey, blacky, like, slightly skin textury yeah. vibe. Um, and then she sort of sees it, she gets all freaked out. She runs out into the white uh, lighthouse room, and it follows her. Yeah. And it immediately becomes, like, 10% less real. Does it? I think it becomes more real. I think, like, the CG well, of it. I guess It looks me, better like in the, the well lighting, room. Well, it, it, in the dark room, I felt it felt more real to me because it was the same colour as, like, everything else that was around it. So, yeah. for me, it fit better into that scene. You take it out into the white room, and I'm like, oh, it's someone wearing latex. You know, like... I guess so, yeah. For me, it looked more CG in the cave because it was reflecting light that um, wasn't coming from the opening to the cave. So it almost had this, like... Well, from what I've written here in the notes, it has, like, a Sim from The Sims 2 kind of vibe. That is actually such a good description. Basically, she's getting attacked by a Sim. Yep. Or not even attacked, but it's just, like... It's just copying her. And I would say, during... So, yeah, like, sure, there are bits where she hits it with a tripod and it punches her in the face. Sure. Yeah. And that's and not like, really copying, is it? But it's Sometimes where it decides to mirror her. And then there's sometimes yeah. where it decides to, like, copy her. And but, it's... Yeah. I, I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna dismiss it almost as a point of, um... Because it's its own entity still. It's not yeah. just a copy of her. So, yeah, in that sense. But, uh... To kind of speed it up, we we get the ending where she mimics Kane's suicide, but giving the phosphorus grenade to the entity and setting it off. Yeah. In this in this action, she you know escapes and destroys the shimmer that we know of, thus stopping the expanse of the shimmer and putting an end to it altogether in a very visually striking and cinematically poetic ending of the main conflict. We do get a little bit at the end where she's returned to the research base talking to Benedict Wong and then we get a little bit at the end where she's talking mm-hmm. to Kane again, or the copy Kane. Mm-hmm. And they have this sort of area where at this point, if you haven't noticed it already because it has actually been noticeable during both the exposition moments and the film, yeah. Lena has one of the other girl's tattoos mm. uh, which is super interesting to me and they do a callback to the glass where she picks up a glass, oh, she right, drinks yeah. from it, she puts it down, and there's no blood. And I really liked that sort of, like, coming full circle yeah. of the themes in the movie. With the film coming to an end, we are left with, like, a final moment between Kane and Lena, where we're left not to question a great deal. We know that that's not the real Kane, mm-hmm. but then he asks her, are you Lena? And we're left wondering if she's only been affected by the shimmer or yeah. if she is actually the copy but which the is really thing cool about that the thing about that where i think that they could have made this more ambiguous about yeah. whether or not she was the copy she's knocked out once if not twice during sure. the yeah. fight quote-unquote fight with the copy but it's all while the copy still looks like someone wearing latex Yes. Like, it isn't until she puts the flash bomb in its hands that it starts taking on her appearance, which I thought was really cool that it was like you have to touch and like sequence the DNA. Yeah, and yada, yada. But it contact. leads to me, in like afterthought, less 
validness to the open-endedness of whether or not that's Lena, because yeah, unlike with Cain, yeah. where his double was his double despite the fact that they weren't touching, we see that the copy is still the copy during the fight and when she's escaping. It doesn't fully ever become her, and therefore there's not the same, is it actually Lena or is it the copy that we have with Cain? Yeah, and yeah, in that sense, like we know that it's Lena mm-hmm. to to a certain extent, and when when it's not quite as ambiguous as it could have been, but that's fine. It can Whatever. be a little ambiguous. I really like the way that they hurt, and like obviously, she says, "Are you Lena?" She doesn't answer. She just pulls not Kane into a hug. Yeah, um, and then the sort of last bits before the credits, and the credits are actually really pretty. Um, is yes, yeah. um, they're hugging and their eyes start glowing. And what I found really interesting was the way that they've done the CGI with the eyes. Kane's eyes look like they're forming, like they look like yeah. they're growing into his eye sockets. Into his like, eye, yeah. Whereas Lena's look like they just get lit from like the inside <laughs> out, you know? Like, hmm. which I thought was interesting because he's the copy and like he might still be forming, even though he's obviously formed. I just thought it was really interesting the different way that they played with the glowing eyes for each of them. Yeah, absolutely. So, with that said, shall we get to our final thoughts? Yeah, I got a couple things um, summary that I might just run through. What I thought was interesting was the difference between the insanity that we're shown of the soldiers and the insanity of our scientists. Yeah. The soldiers all seem to be very reverent and happy to cut open their friend. And obviously we don't get to see any of them besides Kane after that point, but they all seem quite uniform in their, like, cult-like insanity. Whereas the girls all go the other way, where especially the second that Shepard's pulled away, they all completely split apart and there's no longer any group cohesion. Mm. Um, Yeah, and it could be down to their military training where it becomes, it's, you're dependent on your team. mm -hmm. And working with a team is the most important thing. Whereas Mm -hmm. a group of scientists individual endeavors endeavors and different pushes um, out forward more specialties exactly i just i thought that was really interesting that they had that sort of like the soldiers are soldiers and they're doing this because they were asked to whereas the scientists are scientists and they're doing this yes because they have to but also because they have their own reasons um and it was a really interesting look um no one really seems that fussed about the shimmer. Like, yes, we have this whole like base to it, and we have the exposition lads at the end. But like, yeah. we never have just like a side character who is unnamed, who's like worryingly looking at the shimmer. Like, it's all about the main cast, like the main five ladies and Oscar. Or okay. Kane, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Everyone's <laughs> very casual about the shimmer. You see yeah, people just yeah. going about their daily like routines and work. Well, to be fair, there is a line later where people, like, go to bed in the fetal position and stuff like that. Or earlier in the film. But it's all, like, it's all all dialogue. So, do we trust it, you know? Exactly. Or or does it really have any weight? And not really. It It feels like, at the very end of the movie, I was like, you know, we do get a bit of our lovely exposition man. Well, yeah. And, like, he has a gaggle of people just, like, crowding at the window to, like, stare at Lena as he asks questions. Oh, yeah. That was weird. Yeah. Um, other than that... Kind of cool, though. Really nice composition, but weird. It was really, really well done. But in thought, Mm. what are you all doing here? Wouldn't this be, like, super top secret information? Like, the Oscar copy getting out, like, with all of the, like, murdery things happening and the bear 
was one of my last comments as well, like just yeah. belatedly. Oh, there was so much happening. How did he manage to get out unscathed? Yeah. Besides internal organ failure. That goes into that goes into my, you know, pointless research. There's just mm-hmm. a big period of space where he gets from one place to another. Yeah. Miraculously like just, unharmed. A lot of well known actors in this and they're all given like very interesting roles. Like I feel like they're all utilised really, really well and in ways that we haven't really seen them utilised before. Like, to me, Tessa Thompson is a very specific, very grand character, and I really, really love her, but she's always, like, that badass bitch. Um, Yes. And in this, she's more timid. Timid and passive, yeah. I'm just running through these. Uh, I feel like we don't need to discuss them. I apologise if I feel pushy. No, that's okay. um, Oscar... Not Oscar, sorry. Kane, not Kane's internal organs. The second that the, the shimmer dies, he's suddenly fine again. Yeah. I don't understand why. Um, it's one of those things that's left ambiguous, and I understand it's left ambiguous. But I was just like, oh, okay, so he was connected to the shimmer, but now that the shimmer is dead, he's like, not about it. Like, what's happening there? And Lena seems so, like, you're not Kane. No, I'm not. But you're Lena, right? Oh, my boy. Like, she just immediately accepts that he's a double and she's just going to live like that, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't think I have anything else. I have, like, you know, some things can be forgiven as movie yeah. magic. Like, of course Kane knows nothing and keeps saying, I don't know. He's a copy. Yeah. But also then, like, he's a copy. How the fuck did you know where the house was? Like, there's a couple things there. That, yeah, like, there's gotta a lot of stuff. Gotta let some things go because of movie magic. But there are a few things that will always irk me. E.g., the battery and the sudden miraculous organ failure going away and all of his vitals popping back up as normal. Yes, so as as this final, as we kind of wind down to the end of this episode, what do you want to give it on a rating scale? Alrighty, so we've got a rating scale of 1 to 10, um, and I thought this movie was about a 6 out of 10 fractals. Um, I felt like it was a really, really good movie. It's one that I would definitely rewatch and suggest people watch, obviously giving them warnings about the fact that it's horror and it's very unsettling. But it's one of those ones that it's good to enjoy and to like pick out the little Easter eggs, but I wouldn't look too hard at it. I wouldn't try and dig for the deeper like lore of the world and like rules of how everything works yeah and i i have given it a 7 out of 10 fractals just because uh you know even with my criticisms of it i could criticize it you know till the cows come home but i still enjoyed it i i've watched it four times now within this (laughs) this year and every single time i've really enjoyed it you know, at certain points I've enjoyed it less or more, just depending on, you know, of things that the, I've noticed. The mentality that you went yeah, into it, I suppose. Absolutely. But I still enjoy it. I, I'll probably watch it again at some point, and I'm going to read the book now. So, yeah. It was super exciting. Um, I hope you guys, if you've stayed to this point, I know that <laughs> yeah. we've rambled on for a really long time. Um, thank you for listening. This has been super fun. There's. You know, we're going to do a couple more of these. Did we want to give a little hint? (laughs) Yeah. Well, that was what I was, like, leading up to. So, you know, every single week we're going to try and review a movie. And we thought we'd start providing... uh, Start providing. This is our first episode. We (laughs) thought we'd provide you guys with little hints going along to our next one. So... Mm -hmm. For next week, if you want to try and guess what we're watching, we're going to be watching another film where the protagonist goes to great lengths to help a loved one in a coma. Uh, Put your guesses down below. It's going to be super interesting to see if anyone can guess or, you know, 
how that all I'd works be surprised. Out. Oh, God, people are so smart. Yeah. They always, I'd be like, pleasantly surprised, but I would be surprised. Yeah, pleasantly surprised, but, like, I'm... Ugh, people are just smart. I don't know. I'm having yeah. a moment here where I'm like, I will always feel dumb compared to other people because people are just so deep and smart to me but <laughs> um this was really really fun i'm really <laughs> excited to look at our next movie and do it again uh this movie was picked by will and the next yes. movie was picked by me um and that's going to be super interesting to sort of dissect as well thank you so much for watching we'll see you next week <laughs>